This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we now put a big bow on the regular season for this NFL year and get ready for wild card weekend. Uh, it was, you know, a day with a lot of twists and turns as it always is. And you can always count on it. I was saying to somebody yesterday, here are the three games, the Packers hosting the bears, the bucks on the road against Carolina and Jacksonville at Tennessee. One of the three is going to get beat. It just always seems like it happens, which is the one that's going to get beat. And it turned out to be Jacksonville uh, as they made too many mistakes. Lawrence was playing hurt the last four or five weeks. It clearly impacted his play. He tried to stick the ball over to tie the game up. He didn't get the ball out there. Uh, we saw a couple of those. We saw one that could have been a big, very big play in the uh, Bills game just a minute ago, as a matter of fact, as everybody tries to do what uh, – what Philly does so well. As a matter of fact, that's the only thing Philly still does well. <laughs> they don't do anything else well at all anymore. Uh, but it was a crazy day, uh, as most of these days are. And that day obviously opened the door. It put Buffalo in the playoffs no matter what. They wound up winning the division. And it put Pittsburgh from way back into the postseason. Uh, everyone wonders how Mike Tomlin continues to do it year after year after year. As he does, he pulls rabbits out of his hat time after time after time. Dallas won. Eagles look awful. And now we have the playoff set. The Ravens and the Niners will take the week off as the one seeds. And you have this playoff set. And I'll tell you, there's going to be some yelling and screaming this week. And it's not going to have anything to do with it on the field. And we'll get to that in a minute. Here's the matchups, obviously. The Browns at the Texans in the 4-5 game should be a terrific game. The Texans had a great season. Uh, First-year coach, first-year quarterback, both with terrific talent. A sign of things to come for the Texans as they will host the Browns Saturday afternoon. The second game will be Kansas City hosting Miami. Now, two things about this game. Number one. The early forecast for Kansas City on Saturday night is zero to minus five weather and possible snow. That is where Miami is headed now. If Miami gets that weather, they'll have enough trouble winning Kansas City anyway. If Miami gets that weather, forget it. Those teams like just doesn't happen. And the other thing is that is the game that is going to be streamed exclusively. So that is the game that is going to cause a lot of yelling and screaming this week because the NFL, which has the best, the biggest, the best, and the most loyal fan base anywhere, decides to basically thumb its nose at its fan base 
and just make another greedy reach for another bundle of money like they need it. And now we have the Peacock playoff exclusive, which you have to pay for. How many people in America don't have cable TV? How many people in America don't have smart TV? How many people in America don't even know what streaming is, no less finding streaming or willing to pay an extra amount to get a playoff game? This is a joke that the NFL would do this with their playoff product. It's bad enough they would do it with a regular season game on a Thursday night or do it with a regular season game on a Saturday. But to do it with a playoff game is the biggest slap in the face to their national fan base. People wait all year for these playoff games. They love these playoff games. And you're going to now charge them extra for a playoff game? They don't give enough. You don't make enough. The word is that the NFL got $110 million from to stream this game from Peacock. They got $110 million to stream this one game exclusively on Peacock. That's it. Is this the wave of the future? They're going to have a hard time doing it with playoff games because there's going to be a tremendous fallout from this, and there should be, because it is the utter, utterly disgraceful, greedy reach by the NFL. Like they don't make enough money. Like their fans don't go into their pocket for jerseys, for all kinds of NFL merchandise, for tickets that are very expensive across the country. They don't show up and are there religiously every Sunday. And now you're going to charge them for a playoff game? It is the ultimate slap in the face to the best and most ardent and the most dramatically important fan base in America. Nobody gets the ratings, not even close of what the NFL gets. And it's never enough. Anytime they can find another pile of money to grab, they grab it with both hands. And it never stops. And I hope the outcry from this is as dramatic and as negative as I think it will be. Now back to the game. Sunday, Pittsburgh goes to Buffalo. Now Buffalo will be the two seed. So Buffalo could have been... On the road. Okay, and let's be honest here. Buffalo played a very banged up Miami team. Miami has hit the skids down the stretch. We've seen a lot of teams play badly down. Kansas City played badly down the stretch. Jacksonville played badly down the stretch. Philadelphia played unbelievably badly down the stretch. And Miami played badly down the stretch. All four of those teams did. and, And obviously Jacksonville didn't make the playoffs. They all had key injuries. You know what? So does everybody else. The bottom line is, Buffalo in this game, with Josh Allen continuing to make dumb mental mistakes like he did before the half, bad interceptions, bad fumbles, and doing it day after day after day all season long. We all know how talented he is. Nobody's disputing that for even a second. His ability to run, his ability to throw the ball down the field, his strength, his arm strength, his leg strength. We all know what he is, but he continues to make so many mistakes. It borders on the intolerable. And I'll tell you this, sitting through every minute of this game, and I picked Buffalo, 
and I wanted to run the table with my picks for the Week 18, which I did, but I wanted to with Buffalo, so I was rooting for him hard. And I had him in a parlay today, so I needed that. So the bottom line is I was rooting for Buffalo tonight, and they were driving me mad with the mistakes they were making, play after play after play. And after he got stripped in the third quarter, and they went the whole third quarter without scoring a point when they had the ball the whole third quarter, I'm like, they are not going to win this game. And when they Miami punted the ball back, with 14 minutes left in the game, I thought they were in complete control of the game. They're about to camp under a punt on the 10-yard line, the Bills. And then two Miami guys run into each other. And it opens a hole. And obviously, they come the distance for with a punt return. That obviously turned the game upside down. I can't prove this, but this is just my feeling. Without that punt return, Miami wins this game. I really believe that. Now, Buffalo did a good job with their defense in the second half, and Miami had a lot of injuries. But And I thought even on the last drive after they stopped them, I thought if Hill didn't go out of the game, which he did, I really think they would have scored because I think they would have either fouled Hill again or he would have got the ball again. And he would have caught it in space one of those times and run it down to the five-yard line or into the end zone, or he would have got another flag. But he wound up running off, if limping off the field, and he wasn't on the he was not on the field when Tua went through the ball to Claypool. And I don't know if Claypool broke the right way or not, but it left the ball hanging out there and they intercepted it. I really think Allen, I really think that Hill being off the field changed everything. Buffalo got lucky tonight on their first touchdown. The the touchdown right before the half when he caught it at the back of the end zone it was a second touchdown. That one, he threw the ball, and it could easily have been intercepted. It got knocked, and then the receiver made really an incredible play on it. So the plays that they actually scored on, they got a lot of breaks on in the game. Now, they moved the ball repeatedly. There's no question about it. But the touchdown in the back of the end zone that tied it at seven, that was the one that tied it at 7-7. Seven, seven. That, was, that was it. Because I'm thinking they had scored again, but they hadn't scored before that. They threw the interception before that. So that's the one that made it 7-7. Seven, seven. That Sherfield caught in the back of the end zone. Made a nice catch on it. Got his feet down. That ball could have been intercepted. As it is, he had some nightmarish turnovers. And then right before the half, he, th- he doesn't throw the ball in the end zone. It cost him at least three points right there as he hits Kincaid and, they, and, and the half ends with no timeouts. So it was silly mistake after silly mistake, big error after big error, and then that punt return turned the game around. So the Bills now with division winners, they get a couple of home games. If somebody knocks off the Ravens, they could be home all the way. If not, they're going to be home at least for two games if they uh, continue to win. They will play Pittsburgh in the first of the triple header on Sunday. Green Bay plays Dallas in game number two. Dallas a seven-point favorite over the Packers. Give the Packers, the young Packers, credit. Love and his young receivers credit for getting into the playoffs. And then the Rams, who, let's be honest, had an unbelievable year. The Rams went into the season. They accelerated a ton of money so that they could take all their salary cap hits this year and be in good shape for next year. They thought they would maybe win six games or seven games if they were lucky. 
They hit on a bunch of youngsters, both sides of the ball, and now they're in the playoffs taking on the Rams in what should be a competitive game in Detroit. Two good offenses, two good quarterbacks, teams that know each other very well, quarterbacks who know each other very well. And that's the primetime game on Sunday night. And then Monday, the Eagles, or should we say what's left of the Eagles, who were down 24 to nothing with their starters in the game against the Giants in the first half. And let's be honest, Tyron Taylor should have played whenever he was healthy. He was their best answer at quarterback by far. If you can't see that, you're not paying attention. Especially on his ability to hit the deep ball. And the Bucs are not very good. And Mayfield's playing with bad ribs. And it's really thrown his passing off ever since that four-touchdown, three-and-81-yard uh, game about a month ago. He hurt his ribs. He's not been the same. They shut out Carolina today, 9 nothing, but Carolina screwed up a couple of scoring opportunities. But I'll tell you this. I'm not sure the Eagles can even beat the Bucs. They have completely collapsed. They, other than knowing that they're going to get a first down on third and one or fourth and one whenever they want. With the tush push, other than that, they can't do anything right anymore. Hertz is banged up. Their receivers are banged up. Their secondary is a nightmare. They give a big play after big play after big play after big play. Their pass rush isn't as tough anymore. Their offensive line isn't as good anymore. And you saw their head coach say, hey, we're going to prove what we're made of. They've lost five of their last six. They had a big lead against Arizona to win the division last week, and they couldn't even hold it. I'm not sure they can win a game. Jacksonville was 8-3. and three. They collapsed and didn't make the playoffs. Miami had a three-game lead in the division and collapsed, and now Buffalo wins the division, and Miami is the five seed. Going to have to play in the cold weather in Kansas City. Kansas City finishes the three seed, but let's be honest, Kansas City's been bad week after week. Their defense has been good, but their offense has been dreadful. Week after week after week. And then the coup de grace is the Eagles. They have been nightmarish. I Eagles deserve to be a three-point favorite because they're the Eagles. And Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. I understand that. But right now, you put a gun to my head, I'm picking, Kansas, I'm, I'm picking Tampa Bay. I don't know if the Eagles have anything left. They seem like they're a dead team. And every week we wait for them to turn it around. They haven't turned it around once. The Giants didn't beat them today. They killed them. The Giants averaged 270 yards a game. They had 275 at the half today. The Ravens stormed into the postseason. Despite yesterday's loss, it doesn't count. The Niners, if they have McCaffrey healthy, you're going to be hell on wheels. Those two teams deserve to be favorites. Dallas is very tough in their building all year. And you know what? Let's be honest. The Cowboys, who are going to be facing great pressures and great expectations, they are expected to, they can't lose to Green Bay under any circumstances. And let's be honest, they really can't lose the next week either 
if they do anything except lose to the Niners in a good game in the NFC title game, they are going to get a lot of grief because people are expecting big things. They got a huge gift when the Eagles lost to the Cardinals and it flipped the division. But you know what? Who knew the Eagles were going to lose this week anyway? The Eagles just ran out of gas. They've lost five out of six. Dallas is playing well. Detroit has got a good offense. I don't trust their defense. They'll play hard. Their coach's game. They're going to be a wild scene. Cleveland's got some toughness on defense, and Flacco's got some, you know, he knows his way around it, and he's won a Super Bowl. Kansas City, you have to respect because they're Kansas City. And they got some great players. But I don't trust them anymore either. There are very few teams I trust going into the postseason. And a lot of teams really limped in. Buffalo played okay the last month, but they weren't world beaters, and they continued to make countless mental and physical errors every single game. You can't expect to win a playoff game when you turn it over three and four times, and they almost turn it over three and four times every game. And I'm telling you, if they didn't get that, that 90-yard punt return, completely turned the game upside down. Case closed. It turned the game upside down. There is no way around it. Tomorrow's what we always call Black Monday. There isn't a tremendous amount of intrigue. Okay? No legendary coach who is probably leaving has ever gotten less attention because you know what? New England won't talk about it. Belichick won't talk about it. So there's been nobody to advance anything there. All right, you got reports that he's out. Those people who said that are just rolling the dice. They don't know what's going on there. Nobody knows. Do we all assume that it's probably reached the end? Yes, because Kraft has never come up and said, hey, Belichick's my coach. And you would have thought somewhere along the way he would have said that. And maybe it's time. Listen, if I'm Belichick and I'm leaving, I'd sit back and let this whole season unfold because there might be a team that goes in the postseason and really feels I had a really good team and I didn't get there <clears throat> and they might feel you know what I can hire one of the greatest coaches of all time and he can put me over the top why not Belichick wants to break Shula's record he doesn't want to rebuild the team now. He just wants to coach the team again. And I'm sure he wants to taste victory again after these last couple of years. Game hasn't passed him by. He just didn't have any players. And sometimes it's not easy to get players. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I've heard all the same rumors. Washington has been mentioned a lot. Atlanta has been mentioned a little. I don't know where he's going. 
we'll see how it unfolds. Now, as far as tomorrow goes, are there going to be any shockers or real surprises? Not a lot. You have three jobs open. Carolina, they're looking for a new coach. Chargers, looking for a new coach. Raiders, sounds like Antonio Pierce is going to get a chance to coach the team, and I'm very happy if that happens. They went 8-9. They played hard for Antonio Pierce. He's a leader of men. He was a leader of men when he was a player. He's a leader of men. And I think he's deserved a chance to coach the team. I hope he gets it. Chargers, obviously open. Carolina, obviously open. Washington's going searching for a new coach, no question. Elsewhere. Jets, you know, is safe. Nothing's changing in the North, AFC North. Vrabel might leave Tennessee, and he might be a candidate other than Mayo in New England because he's very close to the Crafts. There's been rumors of Tomlin taking a year off or maybe thinking of going out to coach the Chargers. I don't know if that's true, so it's just a rumbling. He will not be let go. The question is, would he leave after all these years? Who knows? I doubt it, though. Tennessee could be open. In the NFC, you know Washington's going to be open, there's no question. I think Pete Carroll's coming back. Uh, Chicago's keeping their head coach. I think Atlanta will be open. I think New Orleans is keeping their coach. And Tampa has to keep Todd now. He goes 9-8. and eight, He wins the division. You're not getting rid of him. I don't think there's any question he's going to be back. First of all, he's a very good guy, personally. And he went 9-8. and eight. I don't think he'll be leaving. I really don't. So I don't think there's going to be a massive amount of openings. Obviously, all eyes are going to be on what happens in New England. As that unfolds in the next couple of days, I don't know what the timetable will be. I'm sure we'll have something happen early this week. We'll see what happens. The Giants and the Jets today. The Jets, obviously, they both broke Bad streaks against teams that have manhandled them. That's a nice way to finish the season. Tyrod Taylor showed you something, but if you've ever watched him play, he should, you should have known already he could play. He's an upper, upper echelon backup quarterback. He's an elite. There's only a couple of elite backup quarterbacks. Him, Jacoby Brissett, very few, and he's one of them. He wasn't happy with the Giants because they cost him some money. He's a good guy to have on the team. I don't know what his future holds here, but he can play the game. We know that. As far as the Jets, of course, they were overreacting today to beating New England. They're overreacting. As soon as they win a game or do anything, they want to tell you that they're better than they are. The bottom line is, all they've done is lose under Salah for three years, and it has to stop next year, and that's the end of it. They beat a New England team today that had a million injuries and was a four-win team. So let's not be real. Now, 
Hall is a budding superstar. There's no question about that. Hall will be, barring injury, one of the premier backs in the league for the next couple of years. They have him under contract for two more years. They have to make those years shine. And there's no reason, with his performance today in the snow of 37 carries for 178 yards, uh, he had an advantage and he played that way. Plus, you know what? New England got tired. Their defense got tired. It got worn out. It got beat up. And it said, hey, you know what? Enough's enough. And Hall made a lot of plays down the stretch. And he wound up with some good numbers. He's finished the season very strongly the last month. He will be a major player. He and Wilson are major, major talents to put with Rodgers. We have stressed this more times than we can count. The Jets, every waking moment has to be about building an offensive line that can be better than okay. They need a positive strength from their offensive line to protect a quarterback who is old, who is a brilliant talent, but he's old. He has to be protected. And they have to put all of their resources. They don't need to do a thing to the defense. They don't need to do, they don't need to go out and get a great wide receiver. What they need to do is get rid of the guys who can't play and build an offensive line. If you have Rodgers and Hall and Wilson as your core, you'll be fine as long as the offensive line works. The problem with Salah is as soon as anything goes positive, he starts talking like he's a star when he's been a bum for three years. His record screams inept, and he likes to scream, we're so close. With this, we're, we're, uh, with Rodgers, we're a championship team. No, you're not. Stop fooling yourself. Otherwise, your record's going to remain what it is. He's lucky he's getting another year. So are other people in the organization. But they are, so you move on, and that's the way it works. We all know what has to be done. The Giants are a little more tricky. There are a lot of things that have to be answered, but the Giants head coach is in place. And I'll tell you this, I don't know what goes on between the defensive coordinator and the head coach. I don't know if they really just like to yell at each other or they really don't like each other. I don't know which one it is. But let me say this. Everything should be done to keep him here. He is a very, very important cog in the machine. He is a wonderful defensive coordinator. He's daring. And the more important thing he does is he improves players as the year goes on. And good coaches improve players as the year goes on. They influence players, even when it doesn't show up in the record that year. They influence players and they make players better. 
and he does that. He made about five guys on that giant defense better. Two of them are on the verge of being really, really special. See if you can pick them out. He should stay. If he leaves, it'll be a big loss. Like I said, I don't know what the relationship is. I don't know if the fights are real. I really don't know. I haven't looked into it. But let me say this. He should stay. He's a very, very positive influence on this team. And Davis, he's a good head coach. He had a bad year. He didn't react well to the early season problems. That's fine. That's part of his growing pain. He'll be better next year because of it. You know, he came in. He was daring early. He had some success, and he became the toast of the town. When you become the toast of this town really early, and then it's taken away from you, it's hard to adjust to that. He had a little problem with that. That's human nature. That's okay. He's the real deal, folks. Don't go, don't go changing that coach, because that would be a big, big mistake. He's a good coach. He's not a great coach yet. Maybe he will be. Maybe he won't be. I don't know. I can't tell that yet. Because I got to see how he develops when the games get bigger. But I like what I see. But I think a big part of that is keeping that defensive coordinator. He's, he's a jewel. He really is. And I don't think he, I don't think he should go be a head coach. I don't know that he'd get a chance to be, but if he, I could never say don't go do it, but he'd be better off staying where he is. He's a coordinator and a good one. So at least they both ended very bad seasons on a positive note. Don't make a big deal about it, but that's just at least a nice thing for a change. And now we get to the postseason. And clearly, the way this shakes out right now is you have very much a team to beat in both conferences. They stand alone right now. The Ravens are better than everybody in the NFC. The Niners with a healthy McCaffrey are better than everybody in the NFC. That doesn't mean somebody can't jump up and beat them, but those two teams are better. They're going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot to beat them. What crazy things can happen in the postseason, as we know. Ball bounce is funny. As you saw all season. And you really have some named teams like Kansas City and like the Eagles really going into this postseason. In a rough way, not with a lot of confidence, not with a lot of sharpness. And that makes it a little more of a puzzle. We'll obviously break down the games as we get later in the week with our Football Friday show. Tomorrow we will be with you after the national title game. As I told you the other day, I've loved Washington. I've been on their bandwagon for two years. I think they've met a more balanced team that has every answer. So I think Michigan will win a good game.
by a touchdown. The key to the game without any essence, without any question, it comes down to the Michigan defensive front against the offensive line of Washington. If Penix has time, he will keep his team in the game all the way. If he gets rattled, if he gets sacked, if he gets put on the run, it'll be a very hard game for, for Washington. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the championship. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.